Welcome to episode one of the Reboot Insiders podcast. Today's episode is part one of a recent talk Jimmy had with Buddy Clark and Min Min Zhang of Diamond Kinetics. The three chat about the pros and cons of different motion capture technologies. They dive deep into sensor technology and market-based motion capture. Part two of this talk will be about market-less motion capture. So please enjoy Jimmy's conversation with Buddy and Min Min. So yeah, this is the first meeting of Reboot Insiders. I'm really fired up about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The idea with Reboot Insiders is to bring together coaches, biomechanists, basically anybody who's passionate about helping athletes get better and also interested in using technology to help athletes get better. So that's the idea here. And really, like this is, we're, going to, we're going to see how this goes. We're going to let the group, the Reboot Insiders group, grow and progress as it does. We're going to, we're going to see what happens. I guess we should start with introductions. I will let our friends from uh, Diamond Kinetics introduce themselves first. We are very good friends with Diamond Kinetics. We're working on a product together. And we have Buddy and Min Min. I'll let Buddy introduce himself first. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Jimmy, I think it goes without saying we're really excited, like you said, about working with you guys. I think this new product, this technology is going to make a, a huge difference in the game at all levels. I think it's just a lot of fun to develop it, and I think it's going to have an impact. So I also just want to say thanks for allowing us to take part in your first Zoom call to your Reboot Insiders. You'll make us feel like we're really smart being here to be able to contribute. And I'm just going to follow Minmin's lead in that. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm the founder of Diamond Kinetics and been able to work with a lot of really good people like Min. So I'll let him introduce himself. Sure. So I'm the lead scientist at Diamond Kinetics. I'm doing all this research work to convert a research paper to the product. So our product mainly focused on using the inertial sensor to track the baseball movement, baseball motion. So before joining the Diamond Kinetics, I got my PhD degree from Buddy's lab. So we've been working together over 10 years now. So yeah, just really quick on my background. My undergraduate degree was mechanical and aerospace engineering. I got a PhD in biomechanics. Then straight after my PhD, I went to the work for the Dodgers for five years, which was a ton of fun. And my job with the Dodgers was to basically build out the entire pitching analysis department, pitching physics and biomechanics analysis department. How is the ball moving? How is the body moving? I did that for five years. And then over the course of the past couple of years, I started to notice motion capture technology, which is the subject of this webinar, was getting better and better. When I finished my PhD, it was really hard to use. By the time I ended the Dodgers, you could do it with an iPhone. <laughs> so that was a big thing. A big realization was, wow, there's going to be motion capture data available for a lot of people. And we really want to help people get the most out of it. And that's really what, why, we had, why we're having this discussion today. So Reboot Motion, our company focus is analyzing motion capture data, but as a foundational part of that, we need to understand what is motion capture data? How do you collect motion capture data? Because like, how are you gonna analyze data if you don't have it? So that's what this conversation um, is going to be about. And also I wanted to emphasize a really important focus of Reboot Motion is collaboration and learning. I think what coaches do is very special. And a big part of what I did at the Dodgers was spend as much time as I could with the coaches, learning what the, how they do what they do, and then just trying to fit the science and the technology into what the coaches do. I think collaboration, learning from each other is, is super important. Anybody who's here watching 
please feel free to raise your hand, ask a question. We, we want this to be about collaboration and learning, not so much like preaching or anything like that. So with all so that intro. I'm yeah. gonna ask the first question. So Jimmy, the motion capture technology you refer is basically, generally we talk about the camera technology. Yeah, this is what we're gonna get into, but yeah, we have camera technology and we have sensor technology. Diamond Kinetics specializes in sensor technology, soon to be camera technology. We'll get into all of that, but I guess, First, so yeah, let's just start. What is motion capture technology? And I don't know, Buddy, do you want to give a kick us off a little bit? Yeah, sure. So if you think about just motion capture in general, we're I think it's understood we're really talking about the motions or the human body motions or motions of something the human is using, in our case, bats and balls. So it's all about being able to capture in the sense of quantify the motions of the body through mechanisms other than the human eye. Because for years, it was just, just looking at players saying, yeah, that's fast or that's slow or that's in sync or not. The motions look good or not. In this past decade uh, and a half, roughly, the tools to do that quantitatively have just come to be. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned before, there are several different categories of those and uh, we can break those down as we go but it's typically in the bucket of wearable sensors which is what we focus on like jimmy said that's been our forte and then there's camera-based uh, methods and those each have their pros and cons that we'll probably get into a little bit here but that's essentially it's being able to capture the motions of the body and the bat and the ball quantitatively so that then you can extract good information from that yeah, I think if you want to be super simple, right, it's like anything you use to record the motion of something. And I feel like a radar gun was more or less the original motion capture technology in baseball. Before before radar gun exists, you could look at a ball and say, uh, that's fast. You could look at a ball and say that's slow. Now you have a radar gun and you're actually measuring what the ball is doing, which you can then analyze. So it's really putting numbers on how things are moving and then you can analyze those numbers. And then I guess I wanted to get into a little bit of why do we care? I don't know. I mean, do you wanna do you wanna kick that off? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned early days before all this technology, basically coach is just uh, observe the motion by their eyeball. And they actually doing some processing their mind from where what they observed, they work they can make a judgment if it's fast or slow it's the running algorithm in their brain so right now we have a technology can do much faster and uh, by the way so even using camera to record this move, uh, movement and early days camera running pretty slow let's say 30 fps yeah. 30 frames per second it's still missing a lot of details because sports motion typically very fast so the technology we are using at Diamond Kinetics, we are using the high-speed sensor. We can sample thousands, thousand samples per second. So it's capture all these details, like the release, how the hand is moving, how the hand is moving at a release point, how the bat is moving at the impact point. So traditionally, it's really hard to capture this motion from your eyeball or the low-speed camera. Yeah, anything you wanted to add there, buddy? Yeah, I mean, then you take that a step further, and then what do you do with all that information? And players want to get better, right? They can rely on somebody else's opinion or their view of how, how they're moving, or they can now rely on this quantified data and then take that information, benchmark themselves, know for sure how they perform, and then know 
better, have more insight into how to get better. And then the flip side, I don't know if that's the flip side, but it's another use is to be for coaches and scouts to be able to quantify players and say, yeah, that is a good player, or he does have a high spin rate, or his bat does move fast. Now, all those things we can quantify much better now with certainty. So the use cases for these things. Yeah, yeah. And something I, I uh, one way that I think about what motion capture technology does is it's really just like an enhancement to your eyes. Like, like maybe you're, if you're, I know plenty of coaches who can tell the difference between a 91 mile an hour and a 95 mile an hour fastball. I know plenty of coaches who can tell the difference between 16 inches of rise and 19 inches of rise. But then it's getting, once you're trying to tell the difference between 18 inches of rise and 19 inches of rise, and even the best coaches, their eyes might have a hard time doing that or telling the difference between 94.5 miles an hour and 95 miles an hour. So I really think like, it's just, I almost think about it as a way to enhance your eyes really. And I think like also good coaches are doing like motion capture and motion analysis in their brains. Like over time, they're like generating these algorithms, if you will, relating things that pitchers do to outcomes. And what we're trying to do is just help them get better at doing that. Computers can store a lot more data. I guess I'll speak for myself. Computers can store a lot more data than I can store in my brain. <laughs> so now we can have a monster sample size, millions of pitches, as opposed to trying to like hold it all in our brain. So yeah. yeah. The algorithm analogy, the Minmin touched on that. We're all doing it, right? When we yeah. analyze. But I think, like you said, uh, they, they re- our analysis has tended in the past to focus on the results, right? You can't deny the results. Yeah. It's hard to shut that off. But now we can really look at the whole process and break it down in a lot better way than we ever could. Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, like we're talking about, you can analyze the motion. You can analyze how things are moving and it starts with capturing that motion. So I think we can start to get a little bit more specific. I don't, if any, unless anyone has any other more general points they wanted to add. So I just want to add a very quick comment on that. So it's very exciting to see more detail of the fast movement, but we also feel the challenge like because of coach, I'm not critical on criticize anything about that because most of coach, they build their experience or their knowledge based on this movement observation. Now there's new data available, like a ton of velocity or acceleration momentum. It's a process that the coach needs to understand or digest all these new available data and rebuild or add a more expert knowledge on top of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I guess, yeah, maybe one more quick general thing I want to add. We've been talking about analyzing this in terms of performance, but really, yeah, we want to capture the data. And typically what you do with that data is then you want to see how the motion influences both performance and then also influences injury risk. And that's generally how people think about it. All right, let's get a little bit more specific. There are plenty of things that could be considered motion capture technology. Um, Like I said, you could probably consider a radar gun motion capture technology. I think for the purposes of this discussion, probably the most relevant things are marker-based motion capture systems, marker-less motion capture systems, and sensor-based motion capture systems, which are typically inertial measurement units motion capture systems. Let's tackle these one at a time. So let's let's start with probably the most established motion capture technology, which is marker-based motion capture technology. And um, when people talk about marker-based motion capture technology, it's a very literal thing, is we're literally capturing the motion of markers. 
And what these markers are, are generally these little balls that people stick all over their bodies. And then you have a bunch of cameras and the cameras are tracking how those balls are moving. So I don't know, Buddy or Minman, if you wanna add a little bit more color, I'll pull up a, a picture real quick. Yeah, I can, I can start. Basically it's done kind of the way you would imagine that the cameras are, of course they're capturing video, but video is nothing more than a bunch of still frames lined up next to each other. And when you capture those images in a single camera, you see all these balls, these dots that Jimmy mentioned. And you can tell where they are physically uh, in space based on where they are basically on the picture. And when you do that from multiple cameras, now you get you can stitch together a three-dimensional image of where that little marker is in space, in the three-dimensional space. And the cameras are so good, the resolution's so high that they know where that marker is down to less than a millimeter accuracy. And so they're really good at that. And then as the body moves, the markers move, and then all you have to do is know from one frame to the next, the marker moved by a certain amount. Now it's in a new location. And I can, I can tell its new position. And then we can do some math to figure out its velocity, the, the rate of change of that position. You can go a step further and find its acceleration, but that gets to be really dicey. Maybe talk about that a little bit as we go. Mm. But in terms of finding position in three dimensions, if you stitch all these cameras together, these things are fantastic at doing that. And that's why they have been known as the gold standard for motion capture, especially early on for position based information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can see here, like the process is really like what the camera is doing is it's basically tracking very specifically the three dimensional positions of each one of these markers. And you get those three dimensional positions and then you can recreate a human body. And that's really the crux of it. And yeah, like Buddy said, the nice thing is when you have these markers, the cameras can track them super well with, with very high accuracy, very high precision. And that is one of the biggest pros of markers is just how accurate the cameras can be tracking these specific markers. Minmin, did you have anything to, to add there? Sure, I think you guys covered most of these aspects. So basically the in this category, we are tracking the position of the the marker. So it's getting the original measurement is position data in contrast to the IMU or inertial sensor where measuring is uh, the velocity and acceleration. There are pros and cons on each side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then, so we got some, we got some questions asking how does the number of markers influence accuracy and how many markers do you need? And generally speaking, in a marker uh, motion capture environment, you need at least three markers on each body part. And then more or less, the, the more markers, the, the more accurate, because essentially it's just giving you more information about where a body part is in space. But with markers, unfortunately, the trade-off is the person has to literally wear them. And if you saw those pictures, generally we want to stick the markers directly on the skin so we can very precisely measure the position of the actual body part, not the position of the clothing. But the problem is even when we stick them on, the, the skin can even move, especially during the pitching motion when the arm is flying around. But yeah, so generally the more markers, the more accurate you're gonna get, but the trade-off is the pitcher or the hitter or the athlete needs to wear them. And something that we've seen, I've seen fairly often is when somebody's wearing too many things, they get conscious about themselves wearing them and maybe it changes how they move, which, yeah. So I guess what I'll do is I'll quickly discuss, I'll quickly discuss this typical setup process. 
for a marker-based motion capture system. Typically you need eight cameras. Most, I think most studies will recommend around eight cameras. And then, yeah, you have to spend all of that time sticking at least three markers on each pitcher's body part. And importantly, when you're sticking those markers on the body, you have to be very precise about where on the body you're sticking them because the camera and the computer only knows where the markers are. They don't know where your body is. So when you're doing the processing of the data, it's really important to know like this marker is here in space and this marker is also on my elbow. If we only know that this marker is here in space, then we don't know how to fit the body into where the markers are. So that's why it's very important to have very repeatable marker locations. Like these markers have to be placed on very specific parts of the body, on the shoulder, on the clavicle, on the ankle. And you need to be very precise with how you do that. Otherwise you can have errors in how you're actually fitting the body to the marker data. Cause yeah, just to emphasize it one more time, it's really two steps here where the first step is figuring out where the markers are in space. So that's what the camera is doing. The camera is tracking where the markers are in space. And then the second step is actually taking a human skeleton and then fitting it to those markers. So now we can then say, now here's how the human is moving based on how those markers are moving. And I think I'll pause for two minutes. I know that can probably be a little confusing. So if the audience, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to to type them in and then we'll get into probably some pros and cons here. And I don't know if Buddy or Minmin wanted to add any color. So to clarify a little bit, I mentioned the submillimeter accuracy of the cameras knowing where those markers are. While that may be true, your point about accurate positioning of the markers on the body with respect to bony landmarks and elbow points on the elbow, that's actually where a lot of the errors come in, right? Yeah. Is, is it, you can't do that to submillimeter accuracy and then hope that it stays put while someone's throwing. Uh, so while the cameras can achieve that accuracy, the reality is it's, the results are not quite that good. Um, still good for a laboratory. It's one of the best we have at the high end of laboratory use, but the cost is all that work you have to do to get it. Yeah, so it takes a long time to stick all of the markers on all the bodies with really extreme precision. I've seen these set up to put all the cameras up, connect all the wires, put all the markers on. I've seen these setup processes take uh, hour, hours, multiple hours. And then as the pitcher starts throwing, he starts getting sweaty, the markers start flying off. It can be a disaster. But yeah, you can get very accurate data if you do it right. So Jimmy, in your study, are you using different marker setup for different type of motion, like swing or pitch? Yeah, so typically you do. You, you would choose a different marker setup based on the characteristics of the movement or the body that you're most interested in. Like I think the marker, yeah, I'll show my screen here again. You can see this marker setup, there's actually no markers on the arms. I'm guessing this was the marker setup for a gait study. They're studying the legs, they don't care about it. the arms just get in the way. So yes, you typically adjust the marker setup based on what you're most interested in. So Jimmy, there are two open questions in the live Q&A. Oh, what's, yeah, yeah how good. Do you, how do you get the data yeah, from yeah, this and yeah. finger, mo finger motion? I got it. Yeah. Good question, Art. <laughs> I think Art knows the answer to this one, but I mean, for wrist and finger motion with markers, you would literally have to put markers on the wrist and fingers. There are other systems where you don't actually have to do that, but 
Yeah, with a marker-based system, you literally have to put markers on the things that you want to measure. And then I think our friend uh, Mike Ressler <laughs> asked the question, is it, is it number of cameras that affect accuracy too? Occlusion can be a problem. Yeah, so this is a really good point, Mike. And actually, I think we're going to get into this a little bit, but we can get into it right now. The more cameras that you have, the more different views that you have of the human, but it's impossible to have a camera from every single angle so sometimes a marker goes out of view of a camera and then you lose that marker for a period of time. And that is a problem. And generally speaking, yeah, with these types of systems, more cameras, more markers make it more accurate. So yeah, I guess we can probably go specifically into some pros and cons. So I listed some out. So I think we've pretty well covered how cameras tracking the markers can be super accurate, sub-millimeter accuracy where the inaccuracy comes in is really the human error, where the human places the markers all over the body. Especially if you have, this is a problem, this can be a problem if you're trying to replicate a research paper. The research paper, the researcher put the markers on very specific landmarks, and if they didn't do a good job describing them, when you try to then do that on your own, maybe you're going to be off. Yeah, so the cameras can track the markers with accuracy. The inaccuracy is really comes down to human error. Another pro that I put here is you do have direct control of marker placement on the body. So if you want to get really accurate on the elbow, you put a marker on the elbow. And so that, I think that's a pro. And then maybe we can go through some cons. I think we've covered most of them. Yeah. Um, just, you know, extremely long setup compared to other things. Mm -hmm. Markers flying off, moving around, skin moving. I don't know if we've really missed. Is there anything we've missed? And then there's a location limitation. You have to be in an indoor laboratory setup. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's from a perspective of just having a lab where the cameras can exist. Yeah, it's, it's just these things tend to be available in indoor labs. That's the problem. Yeah. To me, the absolute biggest con with marker-based systems is just the setup process is so cumbersome and the fact that the pitcher has to wear all these things. I think the setup process just makes it really impractical in a lot of environments. And the fact that the pitcher has to wear off or the hitter, I think the act of wearing these things can actually alter motion. So I, yeah, I think there are, that to me is the biggest con is the setup process and how the pitcher or the athlete has to wear all of the markers. All right, maybe we can go into the second one that we were talking about, which is sensor-based systems, which I know Diamond Kinetics loves. Sensors are also measurement devices or measurement tools that you wear. I guess I will let Buddy or Min Min give it the intro here since this is their specialty. Okay, so IMUs are honestly, they're a little more complicated to explain because it's with marker-based motion capture, we know the camera's doing kind of the same thing our eyes do, but with mark, with the sensors, and when we're talking about wearable sensors, we're really talking about these, what are called inertial measurement units or IMUs. They have tiny microscopic sensors uh, on them. They're really housed in electronic components that measure velocity, speed, in three different directions, typically, we call it triple axis, or I'm sorry, it's a, the angular velocity. So it's rotation about three different axes and acceleration in three directions. And then sometimes we throw in magnetic field because that's pretty commonly available too. But the challenge is you, you aren't actually measuring position directly. That's not possible, mostly because there's no reference. There's, it's not connected to ground. It's not 
doesn't have any fixed point in space that it knows about. But what it does know is it knows the change in motion. So it's measuring, again, velocities, well, angular velocity and acceleration. So essentially what we do is we measure that stuff and then we do uh, math, we, we do integration is what it boils down to, to take those high derivative quantities and distill them down to positions and orientations. And so through all that math, we can figure out, we know where the bat moved from here to here, or the shoulder or upper arm moved from this orientation uh, to that orientation. And then we have to make some uh, assumptions or inferences about where it started, which we can often do, but we're getting the, the motion. We know the path of the motion. And to Min-Min's earlier point, it's, these things are really good at knowing the speeds and knowing things like sequences of motions and definitely accelerations, because those are measured directly. We then have to do math to get to the positions, whereas the marker-based video system does the opposite. It goes in the opposite direction. I know there was a question about uh, art ask about, just tell us what the state of the art is. And it, it depends on what your goal is, right? And Jimmy, I think you're gonna touch on this later, but mm -hmm. you know, at least we can say that Positions are really, cameras are really good at positions. Wearables, IMUs are really good at velocities and accelerations. And even take it a step further, knowing what the forces were that created those, those velocities and accelerations. Yeah. And you want to add anything to that? Sure. So the sensor generally, if we talk about the speed, sensor is uh, typically faster than a camera. So when we, for example, the marker-based camera is typically running on 240 frame per second, it means it's looking at you 240 times every second. And a sensor could run over 1,000, even 2,000. Some new sensors, they're running 6,000 hertz, which means sample 6,000 times per second. So that makes the sensor very capable, make a sensor capable to measure extremely fast movement, for example, the ball spinning. If we want to track the ball spinning using the camera, you really need to invest a very expensive high-speed camera. But for sensor, it's relatively much cheaper. Yeah, that's a really good point. Man. The way I think about this very simply is markers, there's some nuance here, like you can have active markers, but really I think about it, sensors are sign like self-contained motion capture devices, whereas markers, you generally need the marker and the camera. So I think about it as markers are more of a passive system where you're relying on the camera and a sensor is a self-contained motion capture device, which then means like it's a lot easier with sensors to just walk around with them, take them wherever you want, instead of dragging an entire eight camera setup with you. And I think because of that, the setup process for a sensor is generally a lot easier than the yeah. setup process for a marker-based system. I know Buddy and Mimin have thought a lot about setup processes. <laughs> you want to just touch on that real quick? Yeah, it's true that setting up the ideal case, well, ultimate case, I think, is the player doesn't even have to do anything. They just pick up their bat and go and walk out on the field. And, and then they're not hindered by any of this. Definitely the wearables are a step in that direction. Actually, a le huge leap in that direction compared to marker-based because they can put the sensor on the bat without much thought. It's either predetermined where it goes, or honestly, it's often much more forgiving in terms of its location. And that we can even do things like interpret information about where it, it is. You just tell me the limits on and we can make the most out of that. 
So yeah, the, the setup is much less with the wearables than, than the marker-based. And then, of course, in the next thing, we'll talk about even less setup, I think. Yeah, also, the just add on the location limitation. So there's literally no location limitation at all for sensors. You literally can do swim measurement or pitch capture in your basement or backyard. Yeah, completely portable. So yeah. I just wanted to get, give some, so the, you know, probably the most well-known sensor-based body motion capture system would be this XSense system, or at least the most well-known to me. And generally, like, you just use these Velcro straps and you put these sensors all over your body, which is similar to motion capture. And then you have to wear a bunch of stuff, but you don't need to be in front of cameras. Art did also ask, are there markers integrated with IMU? Yeah, you can definitely combine the, the two systems and which gives you more accuracy, but you just have to set up the whole thing. So it comes with the trade-off of the setup process. Yeah, in that case, you're getting data from both sides, right? You're getting the high derivative data and the low derivative data together. And that, that there is advantages to that, but it's um, more setup, more cost. Yeah, and, so, and um, Kobe Wolf asked about, is it not important to have the entire body in the motion capture for every movement? Uh, I think referring to when we're talking about marker setups, and this also applies to sensor-based. I know 4D motion has maybe like a sensor setup where you just put it on an arm or you put it on an arm and a chest. And to answer that question, I mean, like a lot of things, it depends like what you're interested in. For example, if you're only interested in the elbow flexion angle, then all you really need is to measure each part of the arm. But if you're trying to understand how does the body influence the elbow angle, well, then you need the body too. So it really depends on what your question is whether or not you need the whole body in the motion capture system or not. Um, we're going a little slower than I thought we were going to go, but which is good. I think we're doing some good explanation, but I think we should jump into the pros and cons because I feel like we're probably going to have a lot to talk about with marker lists. And I also want to leave time for people to ask uh, questions too. So I think pros and cons with IMUs, I mean, I think we've covered them as we go, but just to more specifically delineate them. I think like we talked about the, the setup process for sensors is typically a lot easier than it is for markers. So that's a pro. You're not confined to be in front of cameras, which is a pro. With the sensor, like Buddy and Neiman talked about at length, you're actually directly measuring the velocity of an object, the acceleration of an object, which means you can be more accurate, generally speaking, measuring the velocity and acceleration. So that is a pro. Some cons are the flip side of that is sometimes they're not as good at measuring position in space. But I think a big con is similar to the marker-based analyses is that you have to wear these sensors. And actually sensors, because they're active, they have electrical components, they need power. Typically you need batteries. Sensors can just be a lot more intrusive when you're trying to wear them just because they require a lot of electronics, power, batteries. So that's another problem with sensor. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Reboot Insiders podcast. Be on the lookout for part two of our discussion with Buddy and Mimin coming soon. And as always, feel free to reach out at insiders at rebootmotion.com or on Twitter at rebootmotion.